You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. HBO gets hacked and intellectual property is exposed. Operation Leak the Analyst targets individual security researchers. Election hacking, machines, databases, and public opinion are all targets. The UK's Home Secretary wants Silicon Valley to rethink strong encryption. Russia, like China, is clamping down on virtual private networks. The BTCE Bitcoin exchange is shut down amid allegations of money laundering. And write this 500 times. I will not mine Bitcoin on my school computer. I'm Dave Bittner in Baltimore with your CyberWire summary for Tuesday, August 1st, 2017. Hackers have compromised HBO. They claim to have pilfered 1.5 terabytes of data, and they've leaked a script from an upcoming episode of Game of Thrones online. Their motive is unclear. It may be extortion. It may be nothing more than counting coup, the lulls, as they say. The hackers also claim to have obtained unreleased episodes of other shows, including Ballers, Insecure, Room 104, and Barry. The incident is noteworthy in that unlike earlier Hollywood hacks that exploited lax security at third-party vendors, especially post-production facilities, HBO itself appears to have been breached. The cable giant has confirmed the breach, but has been reticent about disclosing exactly what was stolen. The hackers are pleased with themselves, addressing themselves to all mankind and promising the greatest leak of the space era with more to come. So you ain't seen nothing yet, apparently. But what the actual impact of the leaks will be remains to be seen. Pirate torrent usage has been in decline for some months, and past escapades like this one have tended to lay an egg. We heard from security company Prevalence Brad Keller, who in an email compared this hack to the Netflix loss of some Orange is the New Black episodes. The lesson he draws from the HBO affair is that a company's intellectual property is an important asset that needs protection. Quote, Too often companies only look at customer data and company financial information as assets requiring protection, forgetting that the release of a company's intellectual property can have devastating consequences. The lost revenue from the theft of intellectual property is gone forever. Quote. No significant developments today in the Operation Leak the Analyst story. It's worrisome because of the way a named individual was singled out for targeting. So far, it appears that FireEye's own systems, including those of its Mandiant unit, were unaffected. Demonstrations of voting machine hacks at Black Hat last week prompt continued rumination over threats to election security. Concerns fall generally into three broad categories. First, the vulnerability of electronic voting to hacking and therefore direct manipulation of results. This is the sort of problem illustrated at Black Hat. It also seems not to have yet been realized in the wild. Second, exposure of voter databases. This has occurred and is worrisome. 
Security firm Looking Glass has found some 40 million U.S. records for sale in dark web markets. And third, of course, influence operations. These have so far largely been Russian in origin and connected with both doxing, enforced transparency as it's been called in the political context, and straight disinformation, fake news. The effect of influence operations remains the subject of investigation in the U.S. and elsewhere. Officials in Germany, where the next major Western elections will be held next month, are on the lookout for all three threats. Michael Janke isn't afraid of challenges or big ideas. He's a former Navy SEAL and co-founder of cybersecurity incubator Data Tribe, plus Silent Circle and Blue Pacific Studios. After being asked repeatedly by reporters why our nation couldn't do a better job protecting itself from cyber attacks, he put his mind to it and proposed an effort that he calls the National Institute of Digital Security. As ideas go, it's a big one. If you think about the commercial sector, whether it is uh, on one end a Lockheed that's building our latest generation fighters, or it's a small design shop that is innovating with IP. And all in between are the, the Disneys, the banks, uh, the Fords. You know, it's literally open season on them. Then you have government. Outside of NSA, CIA, and a few other places, their level of cybersecurity protection awareness and skill is just extremely low. You take a look at what happened at OPM, right? You, you think about the cost of a single aircraft carrier. And you think about an organization that fits in the middle. It's not a government organization and it's not a Wall Street, you know, publicly traded company that's got to make revenue every quarter. You take the best of both. You take very experienced large company management, very streamlined. You take talent that exists within the intelligence community and then you take you know, universities and, and some of the real raw talent in Silicon Valley, and you bring them together for a mission. And that mission is we are going to create basic, fundamental software. And you begin to build this repository where American corporations, whether they're publicly traded or a mom and pop, can go utilize this software for free. And you begin immediately getting into our ecosystem a level of basic digital hygiene, including the government. Basic features that can rapidly build up their defense profile. Now, from the commercial side, how do they win? Well, now you have these companies that are able to donate some money to it, like a non-for-profit. They can sponsor certain things. They can draw talent out of there. They can build on this free software. You have to first understand the stakeholders. And, and so from a practical point of view, how does this National Institute of Digital Security run? Is it, uh, is it an independent organization, and where does it get its funding? Yes, it is an independent organization that is run by seasoned executives, not government. However, both private sector, both publicly traded, uh, venture as well as large and small cybersecurity and any firm can put money into it. Government puts money into it. Like I said, you, you could run this per year for the cost of a single battleship. And so the idea would be you take some of that, 
you bring in the private sector, and and you, you know you build a ten ten billion dollar budget that can run you five years. Professionalize it, allow our companies the ability to access, download, and begin deploying. That's Michael Janke from Data Tribe. The organization he's proposing is the National Institute of Digital Security. British Home Secretary Amber Rudd is in California working to convince Silicon Valley's tech industry that real people don't need strong encryption. Only terrorists do, she says, making her position in the crypto wars quite clear. So two of the five eyes, at least, are squinting very hard at strong encryption. Last week it was learned that Apple had agreed to knuckle under to Chinese authorities who directed the company and others to block virtual private network services from their stores and offerings. Over the weekend, Russia also banned VPNs. Amnesty International isn't happy, and neither is Edward Snowden, who for some reason seems surprised that the Russian government would exhibit ambitions to control online speech. In the cryptocurrency world, Alexander Vinnick, co-proprietor of BTCE, a large and popular Russian Bitcoin exchange, was arrested late last week in Greece by Greek police executing a U.S. warrant. Vinnick faces money laundering charges stateside. He's also suspected of playing a part in the Mt. Gox fraud and implosion. Now U.S. authorities have also taken control of BTCE's domain in a cooperative takedown executed by the FBI, the Secret Service, and the Department of Treasury pursuant to a seizure warrant issued by the U.S. District Court for the District of New Jersey. BTCE customers are concerned about their funds. It's unclear whether they'll recover them or whether they'll be forfeited. Coinbase, the legitimate California-based digital asset exchange, is widely reported to be under a denial-of-service attack. But this seems to not be the case. The availability problems it's suffering seem to not be an attack, but rather heavy usage by customers concerned about this month's anticipated Bitcoin fork. And finally, an employee of New York City's Department of Education, one Vladimir Ilyayev, a computer systems manager who's worked at the department for more than 10 years, has been disciplined for using his work computer to mine Bitcoin. Since Bitcoin mining now takes a lot of computational and electrical power, it's not so easy to do it at home. And Mr. Ilyayev hit on the idea of just leaving his work computer to do the digging. New York's Conflicts of Interest board fined him four vacation days, worth about $600, but he's kept his job. No word on whether they had him write, I will not mine Bitcoin on the job 500 times, After all, that's what Mrs. Krabappel would have done. And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI... The best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash AI.
Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And joining me once again is Professor Awais Rashid. He heads the Academic Center of Excellence in Cybersecurity Research at Lancaster University. You all have done some research on uh, encouraging security cultures among software developers. And uh, through that research, you all have a few tips to share with us today. Uh, yes, th- th- thank you for having me back again. Uh, indeed, software now plays a fundamental role in our society, from, from the apps that we use to the smart devices that we deploy in our homes or in our workplaces. And the question that naturally comes is, who has developed that software and what kind of security practices that were followed by those who developed the software? And so we've been doing some research in terms of understanding wh- what kind of interventions can actually help build better security cultures within teams. But also, of course, you you know, we know that good interventions like, for example, penetration testing work really, really well, but then they tend to be quite costly. Similarly, code reviews are a really effective way of under, uh, understanding security, but they uh, require quite a lot of discipline from the, the security team and the developers themselves. So we did some interviews with, with experts uh, who have been engaged in encouraging security cultures within organizations or developing security cultures within development teams to try and understand what are the perhaps low-cost uh, interventions, the ones that don't require a, uh, a lot of effort or investment of uh, resources, but also don't require a huge amount of discipline from the development team to carry out. And through this research, we actually identified five uh, main uh, interventions. So, for example, threat modeling can be a, a good way of encouraging a security cultures, just getting the team together in some kind of uh, brainstorm to, to model the various types of uh, attackers, threats, and commercial impact of attacks of, uh, on the systems under development. A uh, really g- good low-cost uh, way of doing things is an incentivization workshop so to motivate the developers themselves to understand the security problems and how to prevent them. And some of the experts, for example, suggested that it's not simply a case of scaring the developers into security, but if you can, for example, shock them by uh, showing some particular security problems but leave them knowing how to solve them, then that can actually particularly encourage them to do this. Other thing that we we found was that uh, low-hanging fruit in the sense of component uh, choice can be uh, quite useful. So, for example, if developers are using plugins, then, you know, knowledge about uh, the security vulnerabilities or good security uh, practices followed in those plugins can be quite uh, quite useful. And the other things that we also found were that things like uh, static analysis tools can uh, be a particular thing. And another very simple thing, a continuous reminder of some sort you know, to to just simply remind remind the uh, remind the developers that uh, they need to sort of think about it on a regular basis. So not only an initial motivational talk, but actually thinking about reminders in the way of say security competitions or positive feedback when a team achieves a secure product. Uh, you know, or using 
public security disasters. We saw that in the case of the NHS in the UK, in the news as lessons. You know, these kind of things can also help encourage build a security culture. So I, I want to emphasize again, this is not at the expense of things like penetration testing, but these are things that any team can do at a fairly low cost and don't require a huge amount of discipline to keep carrying them out. All right, good advice. Professor Owais Rashid, thanks for joining us. Struggling to secure on-prem apps with modern identity? Don't worry, you're not alone. Join industry leaders from Fortune 500 organizations to secure your apps on any cloud with any IDP, regardless of your environment's complexity. Meet Strata's identity orchestration platform, Mavericks. Say goodbye to the headaches of app refactoring and legacy tech debt. With Identity Orchestration, you can modernize legacy apps to use MFA or passwordless authentication in a few weeks, migrate from one IDP to another, and so much more without changing the app. No matter your IAM use case, Strata extends the value of your current identity investments. And the best part? You can try it for free today. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire to share your biggest identity challenge, and they'll hook you up with a complimentary pair of AirPods Pro. Don't miss out. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire. That's strata.io slash cyberwire. And that's the Cyberwire. We are proudly produced in Maryland by our talented team of editors and producers. I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. Hi, everybody. It's Maria Varmazas here, your host over at T Minus Space Daily, and sometimes a guest on Hacking Humans, too. We here at N2K CyberWire work hard to bring you concise, intelligence-driven news and commentary, and we'd like to know how we're doing. Please take a few minutes to complete our audience survey and share your feedback to help us continue to grow and meet your needs. Visit cyberwire.com survey. That's cyberwire.com survey to get started. Thanks so much for your input as we reach for the stars. It means the universe to us.